0: And remember, you are a priority and you matter. Naomi Osaka is 23 years old. She is Haitian, Black, and Japanese. And that comes, you know, with it, you know, layers of
1: complexity. So she went on, played her first round match, won it convincingly. And after the match, she was like, you know what? I don't need you, you French people. I'm gone. That was like the drop the mic moment for her. And then... Everyone else is standing there, mouth open, trying to figure out: Did she just do this? Did she just leave a grand slam?
0: Welcome to Living the Front Seat Life. I'm your host Kelly Marie, and I invite you to take this journey with me. We're going to be talking about all things mental health and emotional well-being. You see, I am a overcomer. If you are interested in figuring out the path for you. determine how and where you will drive your future. This is the place to be. We get to determine the ride. We may not get to determine the weather or who's on the road with us or if it's going to be a scenic route or not, but we are the drivers. So join me on this ride, living the front seat life. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Living the Front Seat Life. I am your host, Kelly Marie, and it is a pleasure as always to be here. Shout out to Lisk and to Jazzy T, both of you, for making this podcast possible. Now, today we're talking about mental health and sports and more what it means to be in the spotlight, what it means to mind your health as well as your business. I have a guest for you today. He's my sports analyst. He is a graduate of Syracuse University and has studied and worked with many folks that have gone on to play in professional sports. He covers all things sports for me. And in this capacity, he's our mental health sports analyst. I introduce to you all Robert Devereaux. How are you, Rob?
1: I am great. How are you doing?
0: All is well. All is well. Today, we're talking about Naomi Osaka, not just her, but how mental health and the lack of allowing athletes to address their mental health is a detriment to the individual and um, as well as sports. So what is your initial take?
1: My initial take to all of this is um, with us coming out of the pandemic, we want to get back to normal. And there is no such thing as getting back to normal. And we have to started dressing each other in a different manner. And surprisingly, um, Osaka is one of the sports figures that came out of the Black Lives Matter movement almost as a champion because um, in last year's U.S. Open, uh, she wore a face mask with slain Black individuals from the community. So she, unlike others, put herself front and center speaking about race relations and how our need is to be more of a mindful of one another and respect one another. So it's ironic that the following year, just a couple of weeks ago at the French Open, um, she was in the crosshairs of uh, media and the French Tennis Association. And it was almost to the fact that for her speaking out and being an activist last year, the Establishment wanted to put her in her place, per se. And unlike other athletes in the past, I wouldn't say like athletes of this current generation, she did not think about sponsorship or she didn't think about her rankings or if I can win another Grand Slam. It was about her personal health. And she walked away. And she always said, I may return for the grass court season, I may return for Wimbledon, but. Um, For all of you who just think I am a robot, who I'm just here for your entertainment, I'm about to take some time off for my well-being. And um, I thought that was very courageous of her to do. Because in this time when we always look at earning wages and trying to get the next dollar, she said, forget that next dollar. My peace of mind, my health is more important than that.
0: And so that to me was really a front seat life move. Right. Well, before she withdrew, right, she announced that she would not be taking interviews and wouldn't be meeting with media. And because of that, she was fined and was fined $1,500, correct?
1: $15,000.
0: Actually, that is what I meant. She was fined $15,000 because she violated the rules, regulations of the Federation, right?
1: Yes. Um. And most... Pretty much in any sports, NFL, NBA, WTA, LPGA, you have to you have to find yourself available to the media. And before the tournament started, she said, you know what, I'll come here to play, but I'm not really here to talk to the media. And she was not in that mind frame. So the, the Federation said, we're going to find you. So they were very quick about it. They seemed to not really care um, about it. It's like either you're going to talk to the media or we're going to find you $15,000. So she went on, played her first round match, won it convincingly. And after the match, she was like, you know what? I don't need you, French people. I'm gone. So that in itself, with her winning a match, starting the tournament and doing a 180 saying, you know what? I don't need this right now. That was like the drop the mic moment for her. And then everyone else is standing there, mouth open, trying to figure out, did she just do this? Did she just leave a grand slam?
0: And that walk off is, in my opinion, pivotal. It it changed the conversation around health, mental health specifically, and sports. This is not a new conversation. um, But when we look at, and so let's lay some things out. I don't want to assume that everyone knows who Naomi Osaka is. She is a women's tennis player. Um, She is Japanese and black. Haitian um, is her father's um, descent. And there are many levels to being Japanese and being a tennis player, being black and being a tennis player, being um, Haitian. Right. And the relationship that Haiti has with France when it came to their freedom, um, and so there are a lot of pieces to the puzzle that we don't know. But just on the surface, what it appears to be really is retribution for someone exercising the right to peace of mind, to mental health. She spoke out and said, listen, you know, since, you know, a previous win, I've been battling depression, the maintaining my mental health, and I need this for myself. And the response was basically, Do whatever you need for yourself, but here's this fine.
1: Pretty much. Um, And like I said, there's so many levels to this. I referenced before, she was one of the sports figures who really spoke out about police brutality and how people of color are treated in America. She represents or she operates in a very complex level. Because like you said, with her father being Haitian and being born in the United States, she had the decision to say, You know, I can represent the United States, but the USTA, which is the United States Tennis Association, wasn't really giving her the love that she thought, because um, she comes from a generation where there's a lot of women tennis players. So she decided to represent the birthplace of her mother, Japan. So on the world front, some people view her as Japanese, just Japanese. Um, it's like almost depending on what, what part of the world she is in, you know, yes, she has the Japanese flag that's raised when she's at the Olympics or she's, you know, she wins a tournament, but some folks look at her as a U.S. citizen. Some people look at her as mulatto or some people in their frame of mind just look at her as a black girl who got something in her. It's rude to say that, but that's how some people even report when you see highlights on TV and stuff like that. So she represents a very unique, complex position in the sports world. And like you referenced, her being part Haitian, we all deal with this on a daily basis, this slavery and the the forefathers fight that we had. So she represents a country, maybe in the minds of uh, the French as, oh, you're the ones that threw us out of Haiti. So, with all of that compounded with trying to actually perform and play tennis on the highest level, I can imagine i can't I can't imagine how difficult it is for a young woman to try to be on top of her game and with everybody pulling on her and at the same time expectations of her or how she should be and who she's supposed to represent so. It shouldn't be a surprise that she said, you know what? I am tired. I need time for myself. And I have a personality that is very quiet and non-threatening. And she's not very loud. She's not boisterous. So for people to almost dump on her, I can see where it gets to a place where, you know, I would like to check out because everybody around me, the media, the fans, society is expecting so much. You know what? I need to take a break from this.
0: And so you mentioned in our pre-conversation about the protection that many athletes have by nature of the sport that they play. Basketball teams, football teams, soccer teams, you know, there's coaches, there's general managers, et cetera, that can speak on behalf of the team but when it comes to tennis they don't have the same protections
1: um with tennis players and with golfers especially they are out on their own they set they set their own schedules they who's their sponsors they travel by themselves there's no support system like teams when you look at the nfl nba nhl major league baseball You're talking about an individual sport where they will have their coach with them and they may have a small circle of friends, like two or three people. You might have a nutritionist, you might have a, you know, a physical therapist with you, but there's not people that's around you that can take questions for you, like when you see in sports teams where there may be a coach a position coach, uh, an owner who would take questions and shield the players. A tennis player is out on their own. The precursor to Osaka is the Williams sisters. And a lot of times they were portrayed in the media as, for lack of a better word, menacing because their father took the brunt for them. He was the protector when they were growing up. You know, when you will see reports well-documented where they will always say Richard Williams. Richard Williams is Richard Williams that. And retrospect, Richard Williams knew what he was doing because he knew that society would try to break down his daughters. So he was the lead guy. You know, their mother was out there too, and they had, you know, one or two of their si- other sisters would be out there. So it was like almost a family a collective being out there protecting. Osaka doesn't have that. Her mother and father are not very, they're very quiet as well. You really, They really are in the background. They're really not out there. So she's out there by, not by herself, but she has no one to divert the attention like the Williams sisters, because if someone tried to say something or discredit um, Venus or Serena, Richard Williams was the first one to pull the mic his way and say, this is how we're doing it. We don't care how it's been done in the past. This is going to be right for us right here. And it was a very successful tactic for the Williams sisters because they had that deflection. It's going to be telling what's going to happen with Naomi, because who is going to be there to deflect, or is she's going to have to change her whole makeup. And we know, in life, we do not change our makeup overnight. It's a learning process. We're growing. Every day we're growing. We're trying to figure out what works best for us. You know, we don't have the pressure of TV cameras, media, 24-7, and not even local. This is, you're talking about an international star. So, you know, I wish her well with trying to combat this and trying to stay in a positive mindset because Each country is different. You have the language is different. And the coping mechanism that she needs to develop in the next month, next year, next five years, it's going to be really important for her peace of mind in this professional setting of of professional tennis.
0: So one of the things that you mentioned that was really, um, it stood out for me was the way that the Williams sisters were able to focus on the game and uh, grow into being themselves because they had that layer of protection. That is an anomaly. Most um, pretty much all other players don't have that type of protection. So what Naomi is going through is not uncommon. It's very much the standard, correct?
1: Correct. Especially in professional tennis. Uh, you're talking about a sport like any other sport where, you know, you have young prod- protégés. you have people start out 11, 12 years old, but you have tennis players who are actually pros at 15, 16 years old. So I remember how I was 15, 16 years old. I can imagine. <laughs> um traveling the world and trying to navigate uh, the world while playing against grown-ups. Um, that's very difficult. So yeah, it's it's not a traditional team like I um, said previously about the major sports teams that we see in the United States. Um, professional tennis is very unique in your support system. Is paramount um, for as far as success. Yes, she does all the heavy lifting. She does the work on the, on the stage, on the court and when, but if you don't have that support system, if you don't have people know how to get your food in Budapest, if you don't know how to speak French when you're playing in Paris, if you go to the US Open you know not to stay in the Bronx but stay in lower Manhattan or Brooklyn to get closer to Queens because the commute is easier, it's very difficult for tennis players to to be and as I said before, for her to be such an international tennis player representing so many different ethnic backgrounds and groups is very difficult. The team, that support system that she has around her will play a big part in the next couple of years because if not, you have those casualties in the tennis, like the Jennifer Capriotis who burnt themselves out because they were doing super grown up stuff when they ain't supposed to be doing because they had a support system who was just there for the money and didn't was instill the parent and let their child grow. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with it because I think all of us in in life need support. But in the position that the professional athlete is in, it speaks layers and layers and volumes and volumes. If your support team is not on point, that person can't perform to their best ability and function outside of the performance stage.
0: And so I want to to bring this back around to folks so that they see the impact and why it's important that we're having this discussion. Naomi Osaka is twenty three years old. She is Haitian, Black, and Japanese, born in America. Um, she recently relinquished her American citizenship to represent Japan, and that comes, you know, with it, you know, layers of. Complexity. Tennis players don't have the same protection as other athletes. And by protection, I mean support systems uh, immediately available, right? She may have an extensive support system. But again, as you heard, you're pretty much alone. You have your coach who is not allowed to coach you during the match. I mean, like, there's a lot of intricacies and layers to tennis. But the reason why this conversation was important. Have and why she is so important to discuss at this time, and why it relates to living a front seat life is because this individual who made either twenty or twenty five million dollars last year is in a position to possibly walk away from her profession. Right? We don't know how this is going to come up. We don't know how she's going to to come back. Um, how this is going to play out, and so we'll have to wait and see. But When we're talking about mental health, when we're talking about making decisions about our lives, everyday lives, making everyday decisions, how often have you been placed in a situation where you felt like you needed to walk away, that you were in the middle of a thing, but the situation you were facing wasn't worth staying in because your mental health was at stake? So this may not happen to, you know, all of you, but to many of us. And again, one in five Americans will be diagnosed with a mental illness, either a short term or long term, in their lifetimes. One in five, one in five Americans will have a mental health challenge in their lives. So if you're in a room with four of your friends, one of you, in the course of your life, will have a mental health challenge that is diagnosable, right, that that um, can use intervention right and so this is something that is very important for us to consider when we're talking about how to live a front seat life how do we make those decisions what kind of things can we put in place to protect ourselves even when the rules say you can't do something are you prepared do you have the support in place to do the thing that is going to keep you healthy to walk away from something that you love, that you have made huge decisions around, that you have pretty much lived your life doing because it affects your mental health. I hope no one is ever in the position that she's in. Not necessarily, you know, it has nothing to do with t- with tennis specifically, right? We're talking about just lives and people living their lives and making decisions. But the necessity to, one, be able to exercise your mental health. Two, to be able to walk away when necessary and three be able to live in a way that you at the end of the day are comfortable with she had to make those decisions based upon what was best for her and she has uh, withdrawn it was just um, at least a a couple hours ago she just withdrew from the next uh, set of matches
1: yes um, after the French Open uh, the the Tennis tour goes immediately to the grass court season leading up to Wimbledon. So there's a couple of um, warm-up tournaments leading up to Wimbledon that starts at the end of June. So yeah, she was like, um, I'm not playing grass court season. For the money part of it, this is when you see the resolve of a person and say, you know what? I have enough. When you talk about... Walking away is like, I don't need that in my life. Yeah, I can miss those tournaments. I can miss Wimbledon because you know what? I need to be in a proper frame of mind. So for those who depend on the black body to make money for them, this it becomes a, a head scratcher. Almost like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Because the TV ratings is not going to be high. The sponsorship, the clothes that she wear, whatever bigger sponsors is Nike. Nike now says, "My gosh, we don't have her wearing the latest season clothes at this particular tournament." So, we'll see how long this will this ride for that portion of it because we know it's all fun and games. It's all lovey dovey when. We want to say, we support you, but when the money becomes starts getting lower, it's not making like it normally would, how long will these sponsors and these other companies stand by her?
0: Right. The performative nature of it, because Nike has come out and said, we support her. Of course they have, right? But how long will that support last? Or will they parlay this and... You know, release a new line and market it in a different way. There's ways around it, and and so my hope is that uh, all of the support that she's receiving from her sponsors is more than performative, that they stand by her throughout this whole thing, because it speaks to again more than just the work. We have to be able to support the whole person.
1: And with when it comes to sports, fans, and when you look at when you look at team sports. That's where management. Do they have the well, you know, well-being of the player in mind, or is it just perform? If you don't perform, I have no use for you. Um, she's in a very unique position because you can almost say she's self-employed. She's a a tennis player. She doesn't have to rely on a team. She is the team. She has more of a voice than any other. Um, athlete out there. Because um, over the past few years, you've heard more and more cases regarding mental health come out. Uh, you saw it in more basketball than any of the other major sports in America. And some people in the media dismissed it, um, which was sad. I think people forget that these are human beings. These are people with Lives. These are people with families. This is, these are people with feelings. And media and the fans and management don't look at it like that. They look at them almost like performance, you know, animals sometimes. And property, yes. That's sad as a society that we're at that place. Um, but I think when more and more people come out and explain the rigors of their, profession, their particular profession, and what's going on in their lives maybe as a society we can then look at what we're doing because it seems like a lot of times we take our lead from sports so if we look at sports figures coming out saying hey i'm having this issue and this is how it formulated in my mind and this is why i couldn't perform or this is why i went on the injured list, or this is why I didn't talk to media during this stretch of time, it becomes clear to the the family, okay, if that person who seemed to have it all is suffering in this space, okay, that kind of looks like what I'm doing in my space, in my workplace. Right. And then maybe I should reach out to EAP. Maybe I need to reach out to the insurance company that keeps on sending me mailings uh, regarding uh, mental health it's sad to say that we take a cue from someone else's pain but um, I think when those who reveal this they're helping themselves and they're trying to shine light on the issue and which will then help others deal with their situation
0: which you know you, you make a great point because this could have been handled differently. That she didn't have to disclose why she wouldn't be talking to media. It could have just been a personal health issue or personal issue. There could have been some other type of, of code word. Instead of saying that this is a mental health issue, I applaud her for taking self-care beyond the basic, right? Mm, I'll even say for, for really taking care of herself. Basic or not, right? To be able to say at this point in her life, this is what I need. This is where I need to be. And this is the support that I need. But you don't have to support me in this endeavor because I'm willing to walk away to take care of myself. And honestly, you know, you raise another great point. If, you know, these folks can sell billions of dollars in uh, clothing and shoes and cars and all of these material things this very priceless, immaterial thing called mental health is definitely something that they can support. So I look forward to professional sports really supporting um, mental health uh, on on a wider scale and not just performative but also for us, for me, for you, for everybody listening, right? We've got runners that listen to the podcast. We have cyclists that listen to the podcast, walkers. We have, you know, the everyday athlete listening to the podcast. And a lot of them uh, practice their sport for physical and mental wellness. And so I applaud you guys for getting out there, for pushing, for running, for walking, um, because it it is it speaks to the nature of again living a front seat life of making decisions based upon you upon your needs and how you need to continue in this journey on your terms. So until next time, Robert, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for lending your voice to this conversation. Um, hopefully you'll join us again. That's my goal to have you back to talk about all things sports and mental health. How does that sound? I'm getting you on the record now. That's um
1: I'm on the I'm on the record accepting it. Thank you so much <laughs> Kelly Murray.
0: And so listen, if you are in crisis, if you need someone to talk to, the uh, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is available to you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. It is confidential. Dial 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-TALK. Again, free, confidential. Next time, we will talk about the world opening up, what that means, um, dealing with anxiety, how do you build boundaries around um, the basic things like going to the grocery store without a mask, to traveling there's some some key steps that you can take in order to uh, make the best decisions for you and your family as we move into this wide open world once again. So until the next time, I am Kelly Marie. Thank you for listening. You have been living the front seat life.